We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Uh, DT Roll Hunter or D Troll Hunter. D, there you go. I, I, okay, got it. Yeah. I always say it wrong. What combo is the best comp for Young and Williams? Well, I'll tell you what, Vince. It's not a perfect combination, but it's really close. And it really fits in well with one of the comps that I have for the current backs. And it's that North Carolina group they had in 2020. Hmm, okay. It really is. Yeah, because because my comp for Kedron Young is Javante Williams, and that season Javante had 100, 1140 yards and nineteen touchdowns, averaged seven point three yards a carry. Uh, Michael Carter that that season uh, had uh, twelve hundred forty five yards, not, averaged eight yards a carry, nine touchdowns, and they both could catch the ball out of the backfield. I think Michael Carter didn't catch the ball as much out of the backfield because Javante also caught a lot. I think that's probably the closest comp I could have, although I would swing more of the catches to Kedron in this, I mean, towards Aeneas in this instance where they were a little bit split in that 2020 North Carolina group. But that's a very similar comp to me. Now, I don't see them having the production because that was an up-tempo air raid offense that just ran a ton of plays. different than what anything Notre Dame's ever going to run. Yeah, but certainly could could see a, a lot of similarities to what this group brings to the table. Very similar. Can you think of another duo that that is similar to? I'll tell you one that some people might look at, and I don't know if it fits really well. It's like the closest you could get as a Notre Dame duo is probably Sierra and Jonas back okay. in 2011. But again, I don't I don't know that. I think you could say you know Ryan. When I was talking to Ryan earlier about my comp for him, his comp, his first thought comp was Jonas Gray, which fits, which is fair. I think Kedron's a little bit more athletic, a little shiftier than Jonas was, but the style of play is similar, that one cut and go. I don't think Aeneas and Sear Wood are all that comparable. I think Sear was smooth, and and Aeneas is more sudden and, and dynamic as a pass catcher than Sear was. Sear was catching the ball as swings and checkdowns. He was screens. He wasn't right. like lining up a receiver. Maybe maybe Sierra and, and um, Theo in 2012 might be the best Notre Dame comp I can think of, but I don't think any of them fit as well as the North Carolina duo from 20, 2020 events. Can you think of any that would be better? No, than I that? think 
I think you hit it on the head. I, I think the, I don't want to say the lazy comp, but like the one that I'm sure comes to people's minds right away would be, you know, Audric and Logan, um, you know, kind of a one, a kind of a do it all. And then, a, a you know, between the tackles kind of guy, that kind of a thing. But I don't know that it fits as well as people maybe want it to fit. If that makes sense. I like the other ones that you've come up with a lot better. Uh, thank you, Vince. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Thank you. I like it when you agree with me. Although some people think it's mandated, it's not. Definitely it's not. not. In fact, I get Just... told not to agree with you more often. <laughs> <Shut> <laughs> <up>. <laughs> he never listens to me. <laughs> We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right, here we go. Uh, from Jesse says, is Jared Parker establishing himself as an elite recruiter or... Are Notre Dame's position coaches on offense just outstanding on the trail? Jared Parker's first year as OC, and the early results are excellent. So if we're going to be fair, it's hard for me to give Jared Parker all the credit for this year's class as the OC, as the overseer. Because again, C.J. Carr, right, C.J. Carr, Aeneas Williams, Cam Williams, Jack Larson, and Peter Jones were all committed to Notre Dame when Tommy Reese was the offensive coordinator. So your top two commits in the class committed to the previous offensive coordinator. So if I'm being fair, then you have to acknowledge that. It's kind of like when Marcus Freeman took over in 2020 for the 2022 season. People say, well, you know, Marcus Freeman's first class was this. Well, was it really? Yeah. Because there were some offensive – the defensive class certainly was because he recruited that defensive class. he was doing class the defensive, defensive class. Coordinator. Yeah, correct. correct. Absolutely. The 2022 offensive class was kind of not his deal. That wasn't his baby, and then they lost some guys at the end when, when he took over as a head coach. So, uh, you know, it, his first year is going to be – Jared Parker's first full class is – that we're going to determine them by is going to be the 25 class, right, Vince? I mean, I think that's the one. Yeah. However, the fact that they were able to keep all those guys committed once sure. he took over matters. Absolutely. He gets credit for that. 
But it's also, I think what works is, look, I don't care how good of a coordinator you are as a recruiter you are as a coordinator. You are not going to have elite success if the guys around you aren't better. Part of the reason Notre Dame had more inconsistent success before 2023, you know, say, well, Tommy Reese didn't figure it out till 2023. Did he? Or was it the staff wasn't as good? Yeah. Right? I mean, so that's really what it boils down to for me is yeah, it's like anything, Vince. If if I could be good at what I'm doing, but if the people around me, if if I'm a, a you know a great basketball player and the rest of the guys around me suck, we may make be a playoff team, but I'm never winning a championship. Sure. Look at Jordan in the '80s when, when him and the Celtics faced off, or him and the Pistons faced off. Jordan was always the best player on the court, especially later in his career, like late '80s, and, and you know, but his team wasn't as good. It didn't matter how good he was. The team wasn't as good. Well, then all of a sudden you get Pippen and, you know, you get some of these other really nice pieces. You get Horace Grant, you know, as Bill Cartwright was the center on the first three, you had like Luke Longley and other guys, Rodman on the second three titles. But the the pieces around him got better and all of a sudden he's winning championships. Same thing with John Elway. There were Super Bowls where you're like, John Elway was the best quarterback on the field when they played the Giants and when they played, he was the most talented quarterback on the field, probably the most talented offensive player for either team uh, when the Redskins, when they played the Redskins in eighties was at 88. And when they played the giants in 86, the team around him wasn't as good. Right. Right. So I don't care how good you are as an offensive coordinator, as a recruiter, if you don't have really good coaches around you, then your success is going to be as good. And the flip side, if you're a good individual coach, but your coordinator's not putting in the work, then it's going to be, you're going to have a tougher time closing, which we're seeing on defense. And then, of course, if the head coach isn't putting in work, that's problematic, which we saw under the Brian Kelly era. So the pieces are in place for the staff to be recruiting at a high level offensively. You've got Chad Bowden doing a great job as a recruiting coordinator, great job as a recruiting coordinator. You've got a head coach that's engaging that kids want to play for. You have an offensive coordinator that has been played a very key role with a lot of these kids. But at the end of the day, you've got assistant coaches that do the work that these kids want to play for. Those are yep. all very key ingredients, and that's how you recruit an elite level. It's not just having a great coordinator, just having a successful head coach, just having good assistants. It's all of it together, and then you've got Chad Bowden making sure it all is working together and then doing his own bit of recruiting, and that's where the success is coming from on offense. You know what it's, else helps? all of it. Putting up big numbers on offense. But that's the crazy thing. I is, hasn't even done it yet. Like, I in know. 23 – the 23 and 24 classes on offense for Notre Dame is there's not two or three teams maybe that are recruiting better than Notre Dame at all positions. The and they've last done two, three nothing years. yet. And they have not done anything offensively yet. I mean, they had a very mediocre offense last year. Imagine what it's going to be like in 25 and 26. All Jared I'm saying. Parker is what I think he's going to be as an offensive coordinator. Yep. Right. If Sam Hartman is what we think he's going to be as a, as a quarterback. Yep. This is going to get a lot of fun. Vince. Yeah, I, I know a kid that can be very consistent kicking extra points. Um, <laughs> very consistent. Vince so, always angling for that free scholarship, man. Just Come saying. On. Just saying. There's not going to be field goals in this offense. It's all going to be touchdowns. So is this kid tall, skinny? Always I mean, kind of. Yeah, got a lot of hair. Goofy hair. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I think I know. I think know. I know that kid. Used to mow my lawn. Ish. Yeah. Ish. <laughs> I and mean, we're talking about the 25 class, so we might as well. Just in. <laughs> All right. For those who don't get the joke, we're talking about Vince's son. He's the place kicker at, uh, for his high school. 
Oh, All right, here man. we go. All right, D Hunter says, "Have you seen this ex USFL? Oh, I did see this today. Yeah, the ex USFL president's high school spring league idea. I don't think I like. You don't think you like it? It's a terrible idea. It's a horrible idea. It's a it's money grab. At the hundred expo- yes, percent. Did you is. see my tweet, Vince? I uh, said yes, it's I an exploitive money yes. grab, and you're exploiting high school kids. Yeah, like, no, because NIL is a thing now." And so they're going to take advantage of it. Football is not a sport. I'm going to repeat again. Contact football is not a sport that is meant to play year round. No. First, Vince, you're seeing kids' bodies breaking down playing baseball year round. Correct. And, and imagine what it would be if you're going to play, even if it's a five or six game spring schedule. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. The, the game of football is not one that your body can play year round. Right. There's a reason that the NFLPA has mandated the off seasons that they do. And it's not because they don't want to work for some right. guys. It is, it, it sure. is, but it's also because guys' careers weren't lasting a super long because as long because they were just physically wearing down. Yeah. And, and because you're, you're as soon as the season's over, you're back in the weight room. You're, you need time to your body to rest. Correct. And there's, there's, um, just horrible. It's it's a nothing but a money grab. Like oh. the, in, these guys are making the NCAA blush with how how just clearly exploitive this attempt yeah. would be. Absolutely. Oh, they're going to be in their own regions. Blah 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 blah. Spare me. This is a money grab. This is just another company, another businessman that's saying, "How can I milk money off of these kids and their families?" Oh, mm-hmm. they get to take advantage of NIL. Mm, sure, and there's nothing in it for you, right? Give me a break. It's a terrible idea. Terrible. Absolutely terrible. Yes, I'd love to have football in the spring. Sure. I love to watch football year round. But you know what? It's not good. It's not good for people. It's not good for young people. If you want to start a professional league that has non-NFL players that you want to have in the spring, go for it. I might watch it if the product's good enough. Maybe. We'll see. But no, this is a terrible idea. Terrible idea. It, it's a, it, it, it would be basically a professional like league. These are yes. high school kids, man. Right, exactly. These are freaking high school kids. What are you doing? It's a it's a terrible idea. Yeah. Absolutely terrible idea. I'm glad that you agree with me on that. That's one that I would have oh. probably argued with you a little bit about, Vince. But I'm oh. not surprised that you agree with me. There's no way you could yeah. get me on board with this. No chance. No chance. Yeah. Jordan's got a question, though. So if Rudolph can't close with Gerby, does Notre Dame stick with three linemen? In this class, and we kind of talked about. That I think so. We were, yeah, yeah. When we were talking about what's next, and uh, it's a yeah. numbers game, Vince. I mean, sure. in order to go past the numbers, you've got to be a stud, right? And uh, just, I don't know, man. They got a lot of running back, a lot of offensive linemen on the roster, dude. It's, well, a lot you of said young guys. Five man classes the last three years in a row, and, and two each, guys are no longer on the roster. So right, that's one from guys. each class. So yeah. it was eight, eight, and five, or four, four, and five. Basically, is what a, that's a lot. That's a lot. Usually you get 13 and then lose a couple. Right. Not lose a couple to get to 13. Right. You know? So normally it's like four, four, five is the max of what you'll do. So, and um, that's a lot of dudes. Yeah. So you're going to be okay numbers wise. That's why you don't have to reach for a kid in the 24 class. Because as you mentioned, when we were talking about uh, the commitment of Styles Prescott, the 25 class is loaded. So you can go three in this class and go five in the next class and be fine and probably go four in the next class and be fine. And they're all going to be elite type kids. So you've got more options in the 25 class and you're not going to be hurting for numbers 
if you only get three in the 24 class. I think that's important too. Like if they didn't have the numbers, then you got to take, you got to get a body and you got to get somebody in here, but that's not the case. You can wait for the deeper 25 class and get a better kid in long run in, in the building. Right. Here's, here's a question that Nathan Milton had. He says, Brian, are you adding Ford to the 23 class? No, because he is only going to have two years of eligibility remaining. So if anything, you would add him to what? The 20, 20, 20, the 20 class. He was a 19 running back. Okay. Um, But he's got a sixth year because of COVID basically. So if you're going to look at him more traditionally, he's like a 2020 kid basically. So essentially you kind of have him and Chris Tyree essentially being from the same class ish. Yeah. Because he had the red shirt year last year plus the COVID year. So he gets a sixth year in 2024 if he chooses to take it. So uh no, he wouldn't be a 23 kid. So to me, he yeah. I I don't I, I get why people do it that way. It makes I I, I do. I get why sure. services kind of, you know, because it's about you're at it's new to the roster. I get that. Right. I'm not saying it's wrong. Uh, you're because you're just looking at newcomers, 23 classes, all right. the newcomers in the 23 class. Well, then I'd have to like make Sam Hartman part of the 23 class and Jeff- yeah. just no. Here's your transfer class, here's your high school class. So that's right. how I look at it. They gotta be uh, separate, Nathan. in my opinion, too. But if you want to look at them as the same, that's fine. I, I mean, it makes sense because his first year in your program is 23. I don't have a problem mm-hmm. with that. It just it's not how I would do it. I just think to me it it because when I look at classes, I think more of from an eligibility standpoint. Sure. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that's uh that's kind of where we're gonna be. So that's a good good question. We have a, we have a two-part question here from Ooh, Gavin K. Okay. GD. I preface this saying I'm not a ty- Tommy Reese yes man. However, I have always loved his potential and the mental strength in 2011, 2012, and 13 made me a fan of his for life, even though he was a little polarizing. Uh, now there, now here's my question. How much of this class success do we give Tommy Reese credit for? Because my gut is landing Carr wouldn't have happened if there wasn't the Reese and Freeman duo. I think the amount of credit that I think Jared Parker would give him, if you were to ask Jared Parker, honestly, and off the record, what he, he'd say a lot. I give him a lot of credit for it because a lot of the foundation was laid mm-hmm. by our staff, it was Jared Parker and, and Dylan and Chansey and all and Coach Heastan, but Coach Reese is the guy that went out and got a CJ Carr. Absolutely, he's the one. He played a role in getting Cam Williams, Coach Reese, because he, I mean, he was recruiting the Chicago area hard, and Glenn Ellen is thirty minutes outside of Chicago, yeah. Yeah. right? So the two top kids in your class, he played a very important role in. They have played a role in helping to build the rest of the class. Sure. And so coach Reese deserves a lot of credit for that. Uh, and, and so, you know, this class would look different if they didn't have a, a guy like Tommy Reese in the, in, or I mean, CJ card in the, in the, in the class. So yeah, I think coach Reese deserves a lot of credit for this class. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, sure. And would, would, would Notre Dame have gotten CJ Carr if, if Tommy Reese wasn't there? Maybe. But he gets the credit for bringing him in. Sure. He was committed. He built the relationship. Absolutely. Yeah. It, it's not one of those where anyone could have got him. You right. know, it, 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 you know, he had to CJ fell in love with Notre Dame, but part of that is because of the vision that Coach Reese and then and then Coach Freeman. But here's where Jared Parker gets a lot of credit for the Reese recruits, because they're always going to be Reese recruits, right? It's not easy to keep all those kids committed in your class, Vince, at all. Right. 
because it's it's brand new. Now it helped that all the assistants at the skill position stayed the same. That helped. But you don't keep CJ Carr happy. You don't keep CJ Carr in the class. This thing falls apart. Absolutely. And him, you know, Coach Parker did a great job initially. And then they went out and got Gino, Coach Caduli, excuse me. And then he did his part to help keep CJ. So they played a role in that. There's no question. So sure. it's not like they did nothing. Coach played a role Reese in retention. But correct. Yeah, I mean, Reese got him committed. Correct. Yeah. And and so, uh, yeah, he deserves credit for it. Mm-hmm. Now, now after that, 24, the finish is up. Coach Parker and his staff. Uh, next year will be all Coach Parker and his staff. I mean, su- success moving forward is all about Coach Parker and, and that staff. It's sure. all of them. But again, the, the coordinator always gets all the credit, but he a coordinator is only as good as the people around him and vice versa. It, it's really about the team unit Absolutely. putting it together. So uh, good question, Gavin. I think a really good question to me. Question from Jason. Is he a better prospect? about Gearby. Yep, this is about – oh, it's about Gearby? Oh, okay, yeah. I, I didn't know if it was about Styles. Okay, is yeah. he a better prospect? I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Uh, it is Styles, I'm sorry. So oh, okay. You're, you're correct. I don't know why awesome. I said Gearby. It's about no, Styles. No, that's okay. Yes. So is he a better prospect than Tosh Baker was as a junior, N- by the way? No. No, I liked Tosh a lot. But here, Tosh is a perfect example of why we say – why I have sort of the the – the questions that I do about weight. My question for Tosh was, is Tosh going to be able to add weight mm-hmm. and maintain his athleticism? And he couldn't. When Tosh got over 300 pounds, he lost his foot speed. Now, Tosh has some technical things too that that have hurt him. He just doesn't play with good pad level, which is one of the concerns of a 6'8 kid. Yeah. Just hasn't learned to play with good pad level. He's gotten better, certainly. But it's just he lost his foot quickness from what he had in high school. So and and that's always a concern. And I should have done a better job of lowering the initial grade and focusing more on the upside with Tosh. But that's been part of my evolution of putting grades together as well. Is for a while there, I would kind of in my thought process have the upside as part of my initial grade, then have an upside grade. But as as I've gotten more into it, because I think his class was the first one I did that for, I believe. Uh, one of the first ones. And then it's like, no, no, no. Take upside completely out of the table when you're doing your initial grade, your your current grade. So when I have Styles as a top 250-ish kind of guy, it's based on who he is right now. Then the upside grade is completely separate for what he could be if this, 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 and this gets better. Yeah. And so uh, Tosh is at the at that age to me was a better prospect than Styles. I am more confident that Styles is going to be able to add weight and keep his athleticism because he's not as tall. It's probably like two and a half, three inches. And just because I think he bends a little bit better than Tosh did as well. And so I would say that's probably one that I missed a little bit is I think my grade for Tosh looking back at it at the time was probably a little higher than it should have been because I didn't separate current from, from upside enough to be completely honest with you. And so, and that's something I do just so you guys know, Vince will know, Vince knows this. I look back on past grades and, and mm-hmm. be like, man, I missed a lot in this class. Why think through what I, where I had guys where I said, about, you know, I should have been more critical of this. I should have been more critical of that. Or I undersold this. Like I look back at Kyron and say, why did I miss on Kyron? Because I put too much in, I put too much into the intangibles with Kyron and ignored 
that the film was phenomenal. And I said, well, he's not fast. He's not real big. He's not this. I focused too much on the measurables, I should say, and not enough on the film. That was my mistake with Kyron, right? So then you say, okay, but you can't ignore measurables. So how do you balance it? It's all part of the evolution of an, as an evaluator. And I think if you're not doing that, then you're just not a very good evaluator. If you're viewing things the same way now as you did 10 years ago, then you just haven't evolved and you haven't yeah. learned and adapted and figured out why did you make the misses? Why am I successful in this position? Why do I miss so much at that one? And that's something that I'm always trying. So like my upside grade has changed. I'm a little bit more picky with upside grades for juniors this year, Vince. I only have two, three five-star grades out right now in this class. In past years, Bryce Young has a five-star upside grade. Cole Mullins would have had a five-star upside grade. Uh, Logan Thomas would have a five-star upside grade. But I'm just trying to be a little bit more picky with juniors, especially to say, let's see if there's some development still before I start handing those out. Sure. And so that's all part of the of the evaluation of it. But I, I, I if I could go back then and apply what I, how I grade evaluate uh, offensive lineman now, Tasha's grade would have been lower for me. But I still think at the same age he was a little ahead of where Styles is at this point in time, in my view. But I think Styles has a, a, a more confident Styles of ceiling than I was Tasha's. I love Tasha's upside, but there was always big question marks about could he maintain the athleticism? Right. I'd be willing to bet if you went back and found shows we did back then, that's something we would have talked a lot about. Mm-hmm. Can he maintain the athleticism when he puts weight on? Right. That, that's always a big question for those kids. Keith has a question. Brian, will there be a big change in the run blocking scheme from Harry to Rudolph? That's a good question. I think that's uh, still a kind of an unknown, to be yeah. honest with you, because we haven't really seen we haven't seen a game with Rudolph in chart. Yes, we've seen the spring game, but that doesn't tell you a whole lot. I mean, it tells you a little bit, but it doesn't tell you a whole lot. I, I think the jury's still out a little bit on this. I think the I think we're gonna see most of the stuff we did last year, Vince, with some Joe Rudolph wrinkles, maybe. Okay. Some pin and pull Joe Rudolph wrinkles, maybe. Uh I think the difference is going to be more so instead of blocking scheme. I'm curious your thoughts on this. From what we saw in the practices, from what I know of Jared Parker, from what I know of Coach Rudolph, I think the schemes are going to be pretty similar with just a couple add-ons. Hey, like I said, a, a couple pin and pulls maybe. Like Coach Eastan had in 2017. Remember when Coach Eastan – and this is this comes down to it because part of it's the, the coordinator. This is where the difference is going to be. The difference won't be so much scheme as usage. Yeah. I think we'll see duo this year. Absolutely going to see duo this year. Will it be like 85% of the runs and games like it was last year? Only if they're killing somebody with it. I mean, if they're just coming out there and they're just destroying you, there's seven, eight yards of pop when they run to it. Why stop doing it? Right. I mean, you haven't stopped it yet. So why should I stop right. running it? You know, but, but to where they just, just do it over and over and over just because like they did last year. I think we'll yeah. see more diversity of the run game this year. I agree with that. But I don't think the schemes are going to be a whole lot different. But like 2017, the blocking schemes looked a lot different than they did under Coach Heastan and Coach Reese because Chip Long was a buck sweep G scheme guy on top of inside zone, outside zone counter. You know, they didn't run real. I don't, they might have run a little duo back then. I don't remember. They were, they were more inside zone, yeah. inside zone lock. That's a newer, yeah, yeah. right? Obsession, and, a newer obsession. Right. right. <laughs> and, and so, you know, they might have run it a little bit, maybe. Sure. But it was but not the, something we saw a ton of. But it was still same all line coach, still inside right. outside zone counter. It just some different wrinkles, and I think we might see that. But it's not going to look dramatically different. It's not going to look like it did when they went from Ed Warner to Harry Heastan, because part of the reason they brought in Harry Heastan to replace Ed Warner was they were making a conscience conscious 
run scheme change. They were going away from the, the, the sort of the spread pin and pull stuff that they had run at Cincinnati in the first two years. And they were going to a more physical inside outside zone counter type of scheme. That was a dramatic scheme shift. This isn't going to be a dramatic scheme shift. This is going to be, let's find some wrinkles that maybe coach Rudolph really likes that coach good that coach uh parker also likes right and that's but the, the key, bread and yeah. butter is still going to look ver- duo inside zone outside zone sure. counter it's still gonna it's still gonna i think be the um to 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 be that i think that's it's that's what it's going to primarily look like so thoughts on that vince you agree with that no i'm i'm with you i i th- and i think that you know overall like most run games have very similar run plays in them it's just how you want to use them when you want to use them and how you want to employ them and all of that and so i think the the scheme is going to be important but i think more along the lines of what are they going to run and when is going to be more of what i'm going to be looking at when we're watching the run game you know what i mean mm-hmm. they, they ran duo no matter what the front was which <laughs> was ridiculous it's ridiculous um we can because there's times where we're just like but dude, you, you had no chance of being successful right, in that. Play. Exactly. And they would just run it. It was like, what do you do? It's like slamming your head against a wall. It's like, why, why are you doing this? So I don't see that continuing. Uh, I think it's going to be a little bit more diverse in the run game. Uh, but again, we'll we'll see. We'll see. And and I don't think we're really going to see until game five. I think three, because okay. I think you you have to be, look, game five doesn't matter if you don't win game three. Oh, I agree with that. I just don't think they're right. going to I don't think they're going to have the issue that some people think they're going to have in game 3. Oh, I I don't think you're giving that NC State defense enough credit. That's a okay. really good defense. I'm getting sent I'm getting like Marshall vibes right now, Vince. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> Look. Now, here's the here's the thing. Forget what you think about that defense. It is a very different scheme than Ohio State. Sure. It's a 3-3-5. I mean, Tony Gibson's a longtime three three five guy, so it's going to look schematically different, which means it's going yes, to impact what you're doing. Right, you're gonna you're gonna scheme against NC State different. Where I'm coming from is you're not going to be able to hold back against NC State. You oh, got to make yeah, sure you I get win that. that game. Sure, but Absolutely. what you're going to do against that three three five is going to look a whole lot different than what you're going to do against Ohio State's four three four two five type of looks. Right, so it'll look different that way, but I mean, you got to bring out all your guns for NC State. You're not holding anything back for Week Five that can help you in Week Three, is where I'm coming from. Because I think uh, NC State's a good football team, and they're going to be better on offense this year because they hired Robert and I. And look at the offense he ran at Virginia, which scored a lot of points. He goes to Syracuse last year, and and an offense that was just dreadful, dreadful the year before becomes a much better offense, much more competent offense, especially before the quarterback got hurt. And so that guy's a good football coach. And 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 I think is, you know, he's back with Brendan Armstrong, but he's not going to have the weapons around him that he had at Virginia, in my opinion. And the thing about Brendan Armstrong, somebody asked me this the other day, Vince. It was during, we did like a live chat Sunday night. And I'm curious of your thoughts okay. on this. There's like, th- we've seen three different Brendan Armstrongs. We saw the guy in 2020, which was you know, good, 18 touchdowns, 11 picks, ran around a little bit. We saw the guy in 2021 who just put up monster numbers. And then we saw the guy last year who was abysmal. And the question was, well, what are we going to get, this version or that version? I'm like, in between. 
because two things helped them in 2021. Number one is he had great weapons around him for that league. And number two, the ACC defenses that year sucked, and they played every single one of the sucky defenses in the, in the, in the ACC that year. I mean, every single one of them. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, that schedule was just, I mean, just really, really, they didn't play Clemson that year. Uh, you know, they, they just, they were just, and then that was about the only good defense in the ACC that year. I mean, they only scored 17 points against Wake that year. I mean, you know what I mean? Like, right, exactly. But they were, they were scoring a lot of points and then everybody said, well, you know, Notre Dame held them to three points because they didn't have Brendan Armstrong. I'm like, yeah, they would have scored more than three, but Brendan Armstrong wasn't going to have them scoring 30 no. points either, you know, because they never really played any, anybody with a pulse on defense. And, and so, and then you saw it a little bit in the Virginia Tech game as well. Virginia Tech had a, a decent defense that year and they completely, completely shut them down. And well, they say completely shut him down, but they held him to 24 points. And so um, I think he's a really good coach. I think they're going to be better. They're not going to be like they were the year before. So that's kind of my thoughts is I think Bre- the Brendan Armstrong we're going to see next year is going to be in between those two, assuming he mentally bounces back from the really bad year he had last year. That's the yeah. big, that's the big unknown for me, Vince. Cause you know, this like Dane Christ never mentally recovered from playing for Charlie nope. Molnar. Never. No. And I understand to a degree, but yeah. 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 You were a big fan of Charlie Molnar. Saying. I say with incredible sarcasm. <laughs> Just dripping out of your mouth. <laughs> Oozing out of my pores. <laughs> yes. Yes. Not of Vince and I, neither of us were, were fans. <laughs> I know the key. I know the things to, to bring up to get Vince pissed off. Charlie Molnar's how Charlie Molnar handled quarterbacks. Um, Brian Van Gorder's wonderful defensive scheme. Yep. And then yep. uh Kane Madden. <laughs> my buddy. That's first, your boy. First round draft pick. <laughs> this is a good one, Vince. I'm gonna I'm gonna read this one because I want you to answer it first. Okay. This is a good one. Uh and th- then we'll see if I if I have anything to add. Mm-hmm. Ray Holcraft asks, what are the traits you look for in a left tackle versus a right tackle? And are there certain traits you look for in a right guard versus a left guard? So let's take the first Ooh. one to begin with, because I think there's two different answers. Okay. What are the traits you look for in a left tackle versus a right tackle? Well, it depends. I mean, we're assuming that we let's have look a at Notre Dame quarterback. Let's, let's, let's look at Notre Dame. Right. Yeah. Let's say right-handed quarterback, yeah. traditional yeah. right-handed quarterback in the system yeah. that Notre Dame runs. How about that? Cause so, every scheme's different, right? Yeah, for you sure. Know? I mean, oh, in, in general, from a the difference between a right and a left-handed or a right and a left tackle, for me personally, I want my best pass blocker on my left side, and I want my best. And we're talking tackles, and I want my best run blocker on the right. I, I don't that that's how I would do it personally. I want you know I want my blind side protected on my quarterback, you know that kind of a thing. Um, but I'm putting my best run blocker on the right-hand side. I just, that's where I want. I just want to be able to road grade. I want that. I like that from a, from a offensive tackle standpoint, and I'm going to put him on the right-hand side and I want my best pass blocker on the left-hand side. So, I mean, that, that would be the overall where I go. And now there's some different nuances and some things like that, you know, is a kid better at uh, drop kicking, you know, with his left foot than with his right foot. I mean, there's a lot of things that go into it, you know, that kind of a thing, but overall, that's kind of where I go with my tackle. Guard is a little bit different for me. I don't necessarily differentiate right and left. Um, what I would personally look for is once I place my tackles, because this is how I would do it, right? I would place my left tackle, then I would place my right tackle. 
Then I'm going to, and then I would place my center because the center is a certain, you got to be a certain guy to be a center. And then I'm looking at guards. And so for me, I like road grader guards in general. I like guys that are just going, if you can run the football behind them, you know, obviously a Quentin Nelson type is the, is what comes to mind. I want a guy that's going to be able to move. I, I would love to pull my guards personally. Uh, so I want good feet in there. Uh, but if I'm trying to decide between right and left, it comes down to who do you work the best with the left tackle or whoever I have as my right tackle, like where, what's the best way to team up? Cause you're going to be doing a lot of double teaming, a lot of communication. Some guys work better with other guys, you know what I mean? And so that's how I would decide who my right and my left guard are. Yeah. Guard to me is more about fitting with the tackle. And the run scheme. I think I think guard left right is more interchangeable. I'm I want to know your thoughts on this sense. To me, guard is more interchangeable right left than tackle. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. It, yeah. And then there's you know there's the you know can they play with their right hand down or their left hand? I mean yeah. th- that's absolutely a thing. Don't I don't want to dip, you know say that that's not a thing. But it's rare it that you find a kid that just flat out cannot play with the exactly. other hand. There's yes. some. There's some. But it's there, not. There, it's absolutely. Not that's why I brought it up. But like yeah. Yeah, I think they're very interchangeable. Yeah. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. Here, here's a really funny question I wanted to answer. Terry Gillery says, who is more responsible for alt success, Quinn or Heastan? Uh, about, One of the answers said oh. his dad. I, I, and I, I that's like, what I was going to say. His dad and God. I mean, that's really... <laughs> <laughs> That's really who's more responsible for it. Uh, but look, <laughs> it, it would be it would be a jerk moves for us to act like Joe Joe Quinn Jeff Quinn had no role sure. in Joe Walt's success. We started to see Joe Walt being really good before Harry Heastan was hired. I think Coach Heastan sped the process up. Mm-hmm. Joe Walt was going to become a star, no matter what. Agreed. I gave him a four and a half star upside grade. And he's already surpassed that by his sophomore year. Right. You know, and he's, I mean, he's already, he's already proven to be that. So we always knew the tools were there and props to Jeff Quinn for seeing that Mm -hmm. because he was not a heavily recruited kid. So Jeff Quinn for all success, part of all success is the fact that he got to be coached by Harry Heastan last year. Sure. That doesn't happen. If Jeff Quinn doesn't recognize the talent and go recruit him and land him. Right. Sure. And then, of course, Joe started seven games under Coach Quinn and was arguably their best offensive lineman by the end of the year. Mm -hmm. You you can't 
take that credit away from Coach Quinn. Now, does his dad play a big role in that? Does his DNA, which comes from his dad, and which comes ultimately from God, play a big role in that? Absolutely. But you can't dismiss the fact that Jeff Quinn was able to, to, to play a role in that, no matter what you may think of Jeff Quinn as a coach. Sure. But I don't believe he is the player. He he was as good in 2022 if he's not coached by Harry Heastan. He would have been that he would have been flashy and boy, this guy's eventually going to be a first round pick. He's eventually going to be one of the best tackles in football. But he became that as a sophomore because right. he got to work with Harry Heastan for a year. Absolutely. So it, the process got sped way up. Well, and I and opinion. I give and I give Quinn a lot of credit too because he didn't play tackle in high school. He played tight end. Right. I mean, it, he saw something, and right. whether it was the lineage with his dad or how, whatever, he saw something with no film whatsoever on him as a tackle in a game. That's that's saying something, right? And I and where I give Dad credit is from a you know he was being coached on how to be an offensive lineman at his house in the off season between senior year and going into his freshman year. He was right. I mean, we, I think we can all agree on that. So, but then when he gets to campus, dad's not coaching him anymore. Right. I mean, mm-hmm. so there's, there's plenty of credit to go around. Uh, no doubt about that. So, I mean, I don't know that I give one or the other or whatever dad's involved. Quinn was involved. Harry Heastan was absolutely sped up the process and was involved. So um, he's just a really good player, man. Yeah. Like, and he just he he takes coaching and he obviously is able to take that coaching and turn it into what is what put him on the cover of this magazine right here. Like he's he's really he's really good, you know. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's just fun to watch that kid. Yeah, he's really talented, really, really talented. All right. We got we got a lot more great questions. Let's try to let's try to work through these here, Vince. Let's do it. Um, here we go. Patrick King. Did Joe Alt spend significant time with Gerby last weekend? Who did he bond with on the O line? That's a good question because weren't they yeah. all just kind of coming back yeah. that weekend? I don't know how much time he spent with Joe Alt. I do. I was told that he spent a lot of time with um with uh, Emil Wagner because a lot of times you want to try to have a kid connect more with a kid that he's going to be on the team with for longer. Sure. And Emil would kind of be that guy. Sure. So uh, I don't know if he spent time around Joe Alt. I would imagine at some point in time he met Joe Alt. I would I would hope so. Yeah. But I, I would imagine so that that he was. But I think that it was you, you, getting him around the younger kids is going to be as important because honestly, if the backups are like, yeah, we love Coach Rudolph. We really like. I mean, that's going to. I mean, uh, Charles yeah. Jagasall said this to Sean last year. Like one of the big things for him about what he liked about Coach Eastand was he coached the backups as hard as he coached the mm-hmm. starters. Because he's like, look, I'm going to be a backup at some point in time, like most likely. You know, I mean, most offensive linemen are realistic to know that. Usually is it? Is it am I going to get coached? And right. it also is a sign of someone who cares. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that, that was smart. But uh, I, I honestly can't tell you, Patrick. I, I'll all say is I would be surprised if he didn't have a meet and greet with Joe Wald at some point. You got to roll Fisher in. at some I point mean, in time. You got to yeah. roll those guys in and be like, this is who you could be, and but this is who you're going to do it with. And that's where the young guys come into play. Yeah. Yep. Good questions. Good question. No doubt. Ryan, are we far enough uh, into Marcus Freeman's tenure to know whether these official visits are his time to shine? Is he the closer we're hoping for or hoping he would be, or do we need more data? Uh, Will we know by the end of June? 
Well, I'm a big believer that you we won't really know until signing day, but I think what we can feel confident in is that Notre Dame crushes the month of June. Yeah. I mean, now, can they do it to where they get guys to stick? Different question. However, most of the guys they lost last year, Vince, were guys that were commits before the summer. I don't know of any guys that committed in June or after the June visit that left the class that they wanted other than like Dylan Edwards, which is a very unique situation because he had a lifelong relationship with coach Sanders at at Colorado. So, I mean, they've, they've crushed the month of June so far. And, and it wasn't just the last two years. If you really want to get into some context, he did that with the defensive class in 2022 as well. Sure. The Jalen Sneed, that class as well. Right. So I, I look, I think this, and here's why. Number one, they have a really good strategy. I think Chad Bowden does a great job of putting these visits together. The staff does a great job of putting these visits together. But where Marcus Freeman is at his best is just sitting down and talking to you one-on-one. Absolutely. And it goes back to what we said about Dylan McCullough. The thing you learned about Marcus Freeman is he's charismatic and all this. I mean, he's young, he's hip, he dresses nice, he drives a nice car, blah, 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 blah. But if you sit down with him and he's an empty shell, hollow shell, you find that out real fast, right? Like we're guys, we dated girls before we were married. You see that really attractive girl and she's just smoking hot. She dresses nice. She's got great hair. And then you talk to her and like, this is the dumbest person I've ever yeah. met in my life. This is Hard not going to work. This is Hard not going to work. <laughs> you know? Uh, and then you see like, like our wives, you see this beautiful girl and it, then you like, wow, she's intelligent. She's smart. She has you know, morals. She's like, okay, that's, that's what gets you to fall in love. Right. There's a lot of beautiful women out there. Why was, you know, this one, the one that you connected the most with, because there was just more to it than the external substance. Right. And so uh, that's the thing. Like, I, like my, I think my wife is beautiful, but I didn't marry her because she was beautiful. I married because of what came with that beauty sure. and the person she is. And it's the same thing with a football coach. Yes. Marcus Freeman is dressed nice and he's, you know, young and he's energetic and you know he's got a great story and he drives a nice car and he's, He's all these kind of things. But when you sit down with him one-on-one, you're like, this is a really good guy. Genuine. He's ge- perfect, Vince. Perfect. Yeah. Say it. Yeah. Yeah, explain it. No, That's he's 100% genuine. He, he backs up who he is. Like, it's not just all, uh, it's not just all talk, right? There, a guy told me a story actually last night while I was at uh, the Joy Center and we were doing graduation for Penn. And we had a lot of time to kill. And I was talking to, somebody that's over there on the police department. And he was saying how he had to come in on the weekend and he had to kind of chauffeur some, uh, they were going down to LaVille, which is about a half hour South of town. And they were going to hand out stuff around Christmas time, um, you know, for underprivileged people. And he's like, I, you know, I didn't really want to come in and do it, whatever. Well, all of a sudden up rolls Marcus Freeman with his four sons and they're going along on the trip he didn't even tell like his security or anything. He just showed up because that's what he wanted to do. And he wanted mm-hmm. to go and be a part of this. You know, like it's not a well-orchestrated, like this is who I am. Like that's not who he is. Like he's every person I've ever talked to who has had a conversation with him, whether it's, you know, a security guard or whatever, like they're all like, he's a genuine guy. He's the same guy we see all the time. Mm-hmm. Those weren't the stories I was getting the past 10 years. No. I'll just say that. <laughs> I'll just leave it at that. Okay. 
He he's a, you're not wrong. No, like he goes to the lacrosse games, the women's basketball, men's basketball. Like he's he because he actually cares. It's not just because. I mean, are are there other reasons to do that? Sure. Right, of course. But you don't think about those reasons if it's not. I mean, you're there supporting. I mean, it, it's. But he genuinely wants to be there. He genuinely yeah. wants to support his colleagues and the student athletes that are there. Like, it's a genuine thing. It just is. So, you know, it, it's going to be. I like the fact that we're hearing that from more than one source. And so it's not just putting his face well, out there. And I'll be real too, Vince. I've talked to a couple people that have met his wife in public scenarios. And they've said the same thing. Like this woman doesn't know me from Adam. And, and one guy was like, for the first 10 minutes talking, I didn't even know it was his wife. <laughs> like she wasn't like, oh, I'm Marcus Freeman's wife. Just mm-hmm. normal every day. Hey, how are you? Blue collar upbringing. And um, you hope it stays that way, right? That's that's the big thing. So, yeah. Yep. That's... um. That's where we're at. So let's uh, let's get down to uh, some more events. Get a few more in here. Let's see. SH. Oh, Sam Hartman, ten for Heisman. I like it. Uh, would you rather have a wide receiver class consisting of the in-state guys, Nitro Tuggle and Mylon Graham, plus Cam Williams, or the guys Notre Dame currently has committed? Currently, guys, easily. It's not even close. I love Mylon Graham as a player. Very good. His upside's not higher than Isaiah Canyon's. It's not to me. And Nitro Tuggle's not as good as any of the guys they have. Nitro Tuggle's a nice player. He's a good player. He's going to Georgia, yeah. right? Yeah. But he's not as good as Micah Gilbert and, and Isaiah Canyon to me. He's not. Plus, part of the reason Notre Dame didn't give those guys any interest are why they would have had a harder time with the off-the-field part of being at Notre Dame, which then would have impacted their on-the-field aspects of it. So For sure. Uh, but no, it, if all things being equal off the field – and it's just about who who would you prefer? I think the class they have now is better than that one, in my opinion. Mylon Graham, Notre Dame would have loved to have had, no question. Nitro Tuggle is not a guy that I think the staff was ever super fired up about, mm-hmm. even taking the other part away. He was a big I believe fish you've in seen that kid pond. play, right? Yeah, he's a big play, fish right? in a small pond. He played at Northwood uh, High School, and and yeah, he's fast. Don't get me wrong, he's a fast kid, and you know whatever. And he's going to go to IMG for his senior year. Um, I would say that the people around here split on that 50, 50, but uh, you know, I just don't think he was ever a fit at Notre Dame. I, did, I never saw him like, yeah, that's a Notre Dame kid. Like I don't you know, just never jumped off the page or the screen or when I saw him in person, yeah. just never, that's not what I saw. And I don't think he's better than the kids they have now. Mylon, you could say is in the conversation with those guys. Like Mylon sure. to me is, is I would rank ahead of Micah Gilbert. Very same. Now him and Isaiah Canyon, I think would rank similar for me. I think Isaiah's got more upside because he's so much bigger, but they're different players. Right. Mylon's a shiftier Kevin Stefferson type of guy. Isaiah Canyon's a vertical outside player. But I think Isaiah Canyon's the, the better prospect. It's not it, – Micah Gilbert's definitely the, the, the better of the two if you're going to look at him and Nitro Tuggle to me. And, and, and look, Georgia's not taking a kid from Indiana because he sucks, right? Like – Right. But I just don't think he's that dude. And not every guy Georgia recruits, especially a wide receiver, is a stud. Let's be sure. honest. That's a position they have not necessarily let's just say this. They are not back to back champs because of how dominant they are at wide receiver, like Bama's had in past years, or like LSU had nineteen. That's not why they're winning. They get good players, don't get me wrong. But it ain't that. It ain't that. 
Nathan says, Brian, thoughts on the voice of college football? What does that mean? That would be Mark Roger or Mark. Um, I just said Mark Rogers. <laughs> Mark Rogers. Um, uh, he he runs a website or a, a thing called. I like Mark. Mark and I text. Mark and I are. are, are I, I like him. We get along well. He's had me on a show before. Um, I like the product that he does to a degree. It, it kind of helped inspire me to to some ideas I'm going to have for CFP Nation. But uh, I don't hold Mark responsible for all of the stupid things that are said by some people that are on his show. <laughs> okay. And he and the thing about I like about Mark is he's going to let you say what you want to say. Right. I mean, if you want to come on and spout stupidity like the dude from Ohio State did yesterday or whenever uh, that show was, then he's going to let you do that. Um, all I'll just say is, I, well, I won't say I won't betray a, a confidence. But, yeah, I, I don't know that Mark necessarily agrees with what was said in the show. But uh, I like Mark. He's a good guy. Uh, get along very well with him. Uh, the only reason I haven't been on the show in a while is because I just don't have time. And I've told him that. But. Uh, I, I like Mark. And, and again, I, I like people to allow people to say what they want to say and not like, I've never said to Vince, Vince, you can't say this. You can't say, unless it's like a, well, that's uh, like a confidentiality situation, yes. which, Hey, you know about a kid's totally makes don't sense. say anything. Yeah. Right. That's but I don't different. tell you, you have to talk this way. You have to say this. You have to say, I want you to be right. able to share your opinions. Now there's been times after show, I'm like, Hey man, you know, this might not have been, you know what I mean? But it's not like a scolding. It's just like there's certain lines you don't want to sure. cross. But you, you want to give somebody the freedom to say what they want to say. Um, and, and but I'm not responsible for things that I, a guest says on a show. Right. I am responsible for what Vince and Ryan and Sean say more so because they work for me. Right. Absolutely. But when I bring a guest on, especially more so, it's like, hey, look, you say what you want to say, and you know that's your opinion, and. People can discern whatever they want. And that's what I like about Mark. He's going to let us say what we want to say as guests. And it's up to you all to decide if you think we're right or wrong or full of crap. And I think that guy's full of freaking crap. And I think his comments say more about him than they do anything about Notre Dame. And uh, I'll just leave it at that. I'm going to have to tune yeah. in now. Yeah, it's on the board. Oh, okay. Yeah, it, it's it's the, in, in the thread that's uh, bulletin board. Check oh, it out. I see. okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Yep. Gotcha. I wonder what that one. I didn't have a chance to click into. Yeah, that one. check it out. It's like a three minute long video. Oh, okay. It, 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 yeah. It, it, if you or if you're about, are you going to mow today? I am. Okay, put that on right before you're about to mow. You're going to be fired up. You're going to mow real fast. <laughs> okay, deal. All right, Jason Smith. Shout out to IB and the amount of content they put out. It's the best money I've spent all year between the boards and the shows they do for us. Nobody puts out this much ND content. Thank you for that. I appreciate that, Jason. It's not just about quantity. It's also well, I hope quality. we're putting out quality stuff as well. Thank you very much <laughs> for that, Jason. Very much. Andre, on your great show today, can you talk about the seven players that Notre Dame can get really to can get really to will complete this recruiting class? So basically, the seven players that will complete this yeah. recruiting class. I mean, it, it, you know who they are. I mean, like it, it's it's now that you got Kedron and Styles. It's Carter, Carter Nelson, Gearby Lambert, Elijah Rushing, Justin Scott. Um, it's more. It's Kingston Villiama Asa. It's Caleb Beasley. It's Bronte Johnson, and then another safety is your eighth guy. But those first seven guys, if Notre Dame signs five to six of those guys, 
this is an elite, elite recruiting class. So, like, of, of Carter Nelson, Gearby Lambert, Justin Scott, Elijah Rushing, Kingston Viliama Asa, and, and Caleb Beasley. Let's say of that six, or no, and then seven is Bronte Johnson. If of that seven, they get they don't get Elijah Rushing and they don't get Carter Nelson. I, I'm and but you get Gearby Lambert, Justin Scott, or let's just say you get one of the two defensive linemen. One of the two. You get one of the two defensive linemen, hopefully Justin Scott. You get Kingston, you get Caleb Beasley, you get Bronte. I'm not, there's not many teams I'm gonna trade this class for. I'm saying that I don't care where it's ranked. Because the thing about it, Andre, is that's great balance. Right. You've literally met all your numbers needs. You don't have one position group that's like got eight dudes in it, like the Texas A&M defensive line class a couple of years ago. And, and and you don't have any misses like that year. They had one linebacker. You've met right. all your numbers needs. You've got impact players on – you've got an impact – you have impact players in the skill – at running back. You have an impact quarterback. You have impact players receiver. You have impact offensive linemen. You've got impact defensive linemen. You've got an impact linebacker. You've got an impact safety, and you've got impact cornerback. Two impact cornerbacks, in my opinion. You, you're talking about which class is the best that they've had in the last 20 years, last year's or this year's, right? You know, other than maybe 2013. But the fact that we're having that debate of which is the last, the best recruiting classes the last 10 to 15 years, this one or last year's, is exactly where you need to be as a program – you're stacking it on. Now, if you miss on most of those guys, then there's some holes and you've got to go back to the drawing board and figure some things out. But right now, I will say confidently of those seven, I feel I feel really good about about three of them for sure. Now it's about what can you do with the other four? I feel really good about where they are with Gearby. I feel really good about where they are with Bronte Johnson. I feel pretty good about where they are with Caleb Beasley. Now it's Carter Nelson, Justin Scott, Elijah Rushing, and Kingston. How can you finish on those four? And if you can go 50-50 on those, assuming one of the 50-50 is the defensive lineman, a defensive lineman, ideally Justin Scott, then this, this is going to be a phenomenal class. Because Carter Nelson's a great player, but he's icing on the cake. Sure. Right? Like, and I'd love to have him. Right. But, you know, that's one heck of a class. So that, that's, that's the seven. And then, of course, the eighth would be a, a third safety. But Bronte is the top safety on the board right now. Absolutely. Absolutely.